Yeah, what a great way to start worship today. My name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at McDowell. So good uh, to gather with you virtually. I wish we could be in this place. One day it will happen again. Come on, one day it'll happen again. And we'll look back on this time and we'll remember some good times and some not so good times, but uh, it'll be a great day to be back together. We can't wait to see you again, McDowell. And wherever you're watching from, uh, we hope that you're in a good spot to turn your heart and your mind toward God. And here's the good news is that God is not bound to a space or a time or a place or a location. He's not found in four we- uh, walls of a building. Uh, God is wherever we turn our hearts and our minds toward him and realize that his spirit is all around us. So uh, we invite you into worship today, which isn't just about singing and a message, and it's about turning your heart, uh, your mind, your attention, and your uh, affections to God. So that's what we hope we do today. Now, we as a church, we're a community. We're following Jesus, and we're learning to love. And even in this time of having to be physically distant from one another, we can still build some community. Uh, Cameron, Pastor Cameron, talked about some of that earlier. If you were on uh, as we started the service, he talked about some of our I groups that are going be kicking off, and we we really want to build some community even in this time when we may not be together physically. Uh, we still want to follow Jesus to the best of our ability, and uh, we we've been uh, many of us have been in a reading plan, a U version reading plan every single week, and we're attempting to read Scripture together, learn from one another, and follow Jesus and be shaped by Him. And then we want to learn to love uh, the best that we can in very practical ways. We've been in the middle of a uh, school supply drive, and you all have responded in incredible ways. You can still bring some school supplies. Everything's online if you'll check that out. We have a list that you can jump in and bring some supplies, and we are distributing those through two of our partners, Teach One to Lead One, which works in a number of places around the valley, uh, but also through You Mom, uh, those children that are in that shelter which are gonna be going to school, we want them to have some supplies and be prepared for that. So. Um, hey, one of the question or the question of the day, I believe Cameron and Sarah talked about was this: If you had a day with no media, no TV, let's say everything is shut off, you can't have any of that. Uh, what would you spend your day doing, and who would you be with? And we had some interesting answers. We talked about it as a team before. Uh, I think the most interesting answer was yours, Heather. So, what'd you say? Um, I'd go to an amusement park. An amusement park yes. with your husband and your kids. No kids. No kids. No. So just they won't <laughs> ride all the rides. So so it's the rides with Cody. Yeah, exactly. Which is awesome. That's so cool, Joe. Oh man, I think I'd take my family up to Montana and we grab a bunch of guitars and a bunch of fishing poles. Go to yeah. one of those, just a nice river, do some fly fishing. The Roarers are up there right now. Tony, you know, they're up there. I, awesome. I heard in the pre-service, I heard Cameron call Tony Anthony. So I'm going to start calling him <laughs> Anthony Roarer, which is awesome. Um, Sean, anything? Hanging out on the beach playing guitar. I might join you just to listen to you and Taz play guitar. That would be awesome. So I think right now I would love to be with a group, a community group, um, up in the mountains. Uh, I, I would probably choose Colorado right now. Up in the mountains, um, spend all day kind of hiking, just hanging a long nap in the afternoon where, you know, just, yes, a long nap in the <laughs> afternoon. And then a huge dinner party together where, you know, you're all making dinner together. You sit down, you eat dinner. And then this is courtesy of Joe Webb right here. Um, 
a bonfire yes, that night, bonfire. a bonfire that night. For sure. And uh, I would invite Sean and Taz to come and play guitar. We might sing a little um, or listen to someone else sing, uh, but it would be awesome. I think that's what I would do a day with nothing. Um, I've, I've had a number of questions from people in our church wondering, hey, what's our plan? You know, what are we looking forward to in terms of regathering and maybe being back together in person? Great question. Um, as you all know, everything changes every day. And so I, I can give you some ideas ideas. I think I'll share with you some, some things that we're thinking about, but as always, that could always change tomorrow or in five minutes. We don't, we don't know. Um, so what we've been doing as a staff is we've been dreaming about how to get back together and when we can get back together, and we've set up contingency plans um, really uh, throughout the next few months to say, okay, if this is the date that we can get back together, what does it look like? And so that next window for us uh, is August the 16th, and so that's just a few weeks away where we could maybe be back together in this place. The week before that is Student Takeover, Next Gen Takeover Sunday, which is going to be awesome. Students and kids and our, our staffs with that um, are going to be a part of it. But then the 16th, we think, is the next window for us. And so we've been working on some plans. What does that Sunday look like if we're able to regather together? And then based on what the governor says and what um, gathering looks like, we'll adjust to how many people we can have in the room. And then if that doesn't work out, we're looking at September 13th as that next window. So what we're doing as a team is we're just putting together contingency plans for the next few months to say, what does it look like when we can get back together? And as Cameron said, we don't want this physical distance to keep us from building community in the life of our church. And so we're going to be rolling out some iGroups, so some groups that connect virtually and online, and we want you to be a part of those. If you have questions, um, let us know. Hey, the other thing, a week from tomorrow, I believe we're beginning this, John and, and uh, Joe and their teams are putting together kind of a walk-through worship in the mornings where you actually could come to McDowell and we'll have it set up to where you could walk through uh, this room, our auditorium, and have worship stations, um, which we've all been missing during this time. So uh, we would have some candles that you, you could light a candle and say a prayer, ask God's presence to be with you. We'd have communion, uh, stations of communion, which are uh, appropriate so that we're not sharing germs and all those kind of things. Um, we would have the prayer wall where you could put a prayer up on the prayer wall. We'd have music in this room just playing as you walk through. So you would come in the center and then exit through the sides so that we're not passing each other. If you just want to sit and pray for a while, you can do that as well. So it'll be like every morning, uh, Monday through Friday for that week. And, uh, and then as you leave, you can grab some district coffee out in the lobby. And if you want to connect with a couple other people, you can do that in an appropriate way. Uh, but we think it's kind of like a walkthrough worship uh, experience that gets us back in this room where we could uh, experience some, some uh, response stations. Uh, so they're, they're going to be putting together some ideas and thoughts uh, as to that. Hey, I have a confession to make this morning. You guys ready for a confession from Pastor Matt? Here it is. I work on vacation. I know. I know. And there was a day when I couldn't work on vacation because I didn't have like a portable, like a laptop, and I didn't have an iPad, and I didn't have uh, a phone that allowed digital transmission of anything other than like talking to people on the phone. And so I really couldn't work on vacation. But uh, as, as time has progressed and as technology has allowed, I, I work on vacation. Do you guys work on vacation? Anybody? Some, sometimes? Maybe? 
Uh, some of us might work on vacation, some of us don't. Some of you are laughing at me right now and you're like, really, Matt? That's the confession is that you work on vacation. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a problem. Like my, my uh, propensity to continue to work to produce something and even in the spaces and the times that are set apart to rest and relax, that's a problem. And my guess is there's some of you who are in the same exact boat. And you would think that during like quarantine and times when it's safer at home and we're staying at home that I would have more time to rest. But what's interesting is because I have no boundaries around my time, I tend to just let it all run together. And there are some some moments in the last couple months when I felt more stressed, even though there might be a little less to produce, because it's all just running together and there are no boundaries and it seems like every day. In fact, this week somebody asked me, like, what is today? Like, I've, like my kids have totally forgotten what day is what day because everything runs together and there's nothing that's set apart as different and that's a problem. So two statements that Jesus made that I find really interesting. The first one is this. He said this, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Like, I am king over the Sabbath. Now, uh, Sabbath isn't something we talk a lot about, but we're going to talk a little bit about it today. So he says, I am the Lord over Sabbath. And the other thing that he said is this, that the Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. And so there was this legalistic approach to what the Sabbath was in the days of Jesus, and it caused people to want to follow all the rules, but they missed the heart of what was behind this, this day that was set apart, which was called the Sabbath. And those two little statements of Jesus have, have caused me a little bit to reflect, especially in a series like Life as Liturgy. What does it look like to live a life as worship to God, to go through our daily routines and our patterns and rhythms of day to day to day, week to week to week, month to month to month, in a way that would honor God and reconnect us with him on a regular basis? What does Sabbath have to do with that? Now, a number of us uh, earlier this year, right before uh, the the pandemic began, we were in Israel. Uh, Heather was there. Uh, uh, there were like 40 of us from McDowell that went, and there was this interesting thing that happens in Israel, and uh, it affects everything in their culture, and it's called Sabbath, or Shabbat. And they shut down everything. In fact, the day we were leaving to come back to the States, we were worried about the timing of the bus to get from where we were staying in Jerusalem to Tel Aviv to catch our flight, and we asked the driver, we said, do we have enough time? Are we going to hit traffic? Because we had, when we had driven the other direction, we had hit traffic and it had taken an hour longer than it was supposed to take. And he said, oh, no, it's Shabbat. There'll be nobody on the streets. And we're like, like nobody on the streets? Even though like it's Friday night? Like, no. And he's like, nobody will be on the streets. There will be nobody on the streets. And we got on the bus and we started to head to Tel Aviv and there was nobody on the streets. Everything shuts down. Stores shut down. Home shut down, everything shut down because it's a day set apart. So let's step back, look at the roots, the foundation of this, and then walk through how might we apply the concept of one day or one time set apart for something that would reconnect us with God. So in the very beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and he walks through this, and the way Genesis chapter 1 marks it is day by day by day. So there's six days of God creating, and then at the very beginning of chapter 2, we find this statement, and on the seventh day, 
The number seven's pretty important in Scripture. It's this idea of completion or fullness. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested. Wait a minute. God is all-powerful, right? Like, God has within himself everything that he needs. Like, God is God. Does God need to rest? Like, does God really need to rest? And when I pray and there's no response, does it mean that God's taking a nap because he needs to rest from... God rested. And he begins to lay out, I think God begins to lay out for his people a rhythm Uh, a pattern of living that is built into humanity and the ecosystem of our world at large. It says this, and God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy because it was the day he rested from his work of creation. Now, I grew up in the church. Uh, I grew up reading Genesis chapter one as kind of this framework for creation. I've read this passage. This is actually in Genesis chapter two, but I've read this passage, uh, you know, a hundred times. And I always thought that Sabbath was about coming to church on Sunday morning for a worship service. And when I was really young, our church had Sunday night service too. So going back on Sunday night for another service, and that's Sabbath. Like, that's what it means. It's Sunday. Sunday is Sabbath, and it's just about going to church and worshiping God. God blessing this entire day and declaring it as holy was something that he was calling humanity to do to plug into the rhythm that he had built within us. And it's not just about going to a building to sing some songs and to listen to a message. As as a church service, Sabbath is to be a day, a a day that God blessed and and set apart. It's, It's to be a day that is set apart differently than the other six days of the week. And what's interesting to me about this is this happens before uh, humanity, we make a mess of his creation. So it's something even prior to, it's built into creation. It's prior to us creating chaos out of what he's given us. So God breathes life into humanity. It's his breath that brings us life. And it's his breath that that sustains us. The, the, the fact that we're breathing today means that God is with us. His spirit is in us. And God has built within you and within me a rhythm to life, a pattern, and there is to be some time, maybe a day, maybe a shorter period of time, that is set apart as, as he's blessed it to be different than the rest. And I want us to begin thinking about that. We're going to sing a song here um, called Greater You, Lord, recognizing the greatness of God as the creator, the breath that he gives us that brings us life. And I want us to begin to set our minds on this idea of what is the rhythm, what is the pattern that God has built within us so that we might live a life that is worth living. Uh, one author that I was reading said that, you know, the... The, the problem isn't that we, we, we turn, most of us, we turn and walk away from the faith. The problem is that we don't live in such a way that the faith 
gives us the power to live the fullness of life. And there's some patterns we're ignoring that could lean us in that direction. So let's, let's set our minds on this concept of a day blessed and set aside as holy to our God. Sabbath literally means to stop, to stop. Uh, another way that it's translated at times is to delight. I, I like the, that a little bit of attention there, to stop and to delight, two kind of different uh, ideas or concepts, yet they, they merge so well together. A day which is stopping. How are you at stopping, at resting? I think we have moments of it, but I think for most of us, for the majority in our culture, we are so driven. And sometimes it's not production. We're not driven to production, but there are so many times we're we're driven to consume as well. This production and consumption in, in our society and in our culture moves, always moves us. So we either want to do more or we want to get more, consume more, produce more. That's, that's the challenge within me, and it's a struggle. The concept of Sabbath is something I've been wrestling with for some time, and I have so far to go because I like my mindset is to always go and to do and to produce. Always about production. Always about moving. And yet God takes a day. Out of seven days, he takes a day, an entire day, and he says, this day is different. This day should be different. You are wired in such a way that you need to stop that you need to not produce. Now, some of this for the Israelites, so in the Old Testament, the story of the Israelites is that they were in bondage and slave to the Egyptians, and the Egyptians were driving them to produce more and more and more and more and more and more and more, and it was never enough. I know that's very different than our culture. We're not driven to do more and consume more. I know that's very different today than it was back then, but the the idea of Sabbath for God was as, the, as his people came out of Egypt back towards the promised land, this idea of, of entering once again into a day of rest to trust that God was God and they didn't need to produce it. They were enough. Um, I want to give a, just a little bit of a foundation, uh, four concepts, and maybe you would scribble these down and maybe there'd be one that would jump out at you. I think to enter into an idea of having uh, a, a day or a time set aside as Sabbath to stop and to rest and to delight, uh, some foundational ideas. Here's the first one, trust. Do I trust God? Do I, do I trust that God has all things in his control, or do I believe that I need to have all things in my control? And if I believe that I have to control everything, then I don't really fully, completely trust God, and therefore I will not stop because I'm the one in control. Now, that's, that's a little painful for some of us. That's a little painful for for some of us, do I, do I trust God? The second one is this, am I content? Do I have enough? This, this idea of contentment is another foundational idea, uh, concept that, that allows us to enter into Sabbath is that, you know what, I have enough. I don't have to go buy more. 
I, I don't need to, to get more to, to be content. Like God has given me enough. I can rest. I can stop and enjoy what he's given me. Are you content with what you have? Or are, we, are you always driving for more and more and more? The third idea is gratitude. Am I thankful? Cameron talked about this a few weeks ago. I think it's so applicable to our day and age is we're, we're looking for the next thing to bring us happiness, and we rarely stop just to say thank you for what God has provided us. Even the meal that is before us on a table, like it's hard for us to just thank God for what we have in front of us. We're moving so quickly and moving on to the next thing, and it's like, no, before our meal, let's simply say thank you to God because he's the one who's provided this, as much or as little as in, as in front of me. Like, let's just be thankful for what we have. Gratitude allows us uh, the space to, to enter into a time set apart. The fourth thing is this, community. Am I sharing life with others? Who am I sharing life with? Sabbath reminds us that we're not in this alone, that we're, we're not alone, that we have like community around us that God's given us to, to share and enjoy life with. Like a, a meal, like sitting around a table, I would much rather sit around a table with others than to sit around a table all by myself. Anybody else with me? There's something about sharing a meal with others with great joy that allows us to enter into this idea of Sabbath. So trust, contentment, gratitude, community, it's just foundational that we might be able to step in to Sabbath. Uh, I think it was uh, Walter Brueggemann who said this, people who keep Sabbath live all se seven days differently. So, so it's not just about one day. Like those who are able to, to see this one day as a rhythm actually live all seven days much differently because of what Sabbath becomes to them. Now, uh, Sabbath can be seen in four different lights, and I want to just walk through these fairly quickly, and I want to challenge you to pick one. Pick one that you need today. To, to see Sabbath as this invitation into this one thing. And I want to begin with this, that Sabbath is to be a day of rest. Like, it's, it's rest. It's to be a time that is for rest. Do you need to rest like, do you need some rest in your life? Jesus, in his invitation, hey, all who are weary and heavy laden, who have heavy burdens, come to me and I'll give you rest for your souls. Do you need some rest today? Sabbath could be a practice, a, a rhythm in your life that leads you to a place of rest. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me to lie down. Do you need some rest today in your life? Uh, I, I was thinking about rest over the last couple weeks, and I was thinking about almost every discipline in, in life requires some rest. Um, I, I used to be a runner. I, I don't run as much as I used to. Uh, I'm getting a little bit older, and I have some hip, uh, one hip issue, you know, and my hips don't lie. And so I've, <laughs> um, I've had to slow down my running. But one thing that I learned in running, especially in training, was this. The rest day was just as important as the speed day. So I had speed workouts that I needed to do to increase my paces over time, but the rest day, the day where I did nothing, was just as important as the day that I ran as fast as I could. Um, one of my best friends from college, Michael Roberts, is a doctor in Opelika, Alabama. Opelika, Alabama. I love the name of that city. Anyway, Opelika, Alabama. 
And when he was going through med school at UAB, University of Alabama at Birmingham, he would tell me about staying up for days at a time, multiple days at a time, in his, his residency and in his pre-residency uh, classes. And part of it was that they wanted those, uh, th- those students to learn to, to respond even with like little uh, sleep or rest in them. Today's med school is very different than what that med school was because they've learned that the human brain and body needs rest to be able to think clearly. Do you want a doctor, someone who's working on you medically who has no sleep for three days? No, you can't think clearly. You, you move into a zombie-like state and you just go through the motions. And so med school has changed because we realize that we as humans need rest. Um, a friend of mine years ago, his name's Jay Rouse. He's a, a producer, composer of music. He's a, he's a songwriter. He's brilliant. Piano player, unbelievable. And one time I just mentioned casually to him, I was like, Jay, it's just amazing to me that you know all the right notes and chords to play at the right time. And you know what he said to me? He said, Matt, the hard thing is not learning what notes to play. It's learning when to rest, what not to play. For musicians, I would assume, like it's not just about the notes to play, it's about the moments to rest and to stop playing, to, to allow music to have the emotion that it has. It's not just that, but it's also the ground. Agriculture tells us that the ground needs time to rest in order to be replenished so that the food that is grown on that ground actually has the nutrients in it that is needed to sustain life for us. And it's why in the Old Testament, God commanded his people, you are to to farm fields for six years, but on the seventh year, let the ground rest. Don't plant anything. Let the ground be replenished so that it might produce life for you. Every seven years, don't plant anything. And I think in today's world, we're learning in, in farming that that's actually a pretty good idea is to let our ground rest and not to drive it for more and more and more. In fact, in Scripture, uh, every seven years was to be a, a year of rest, and then seven times seven on the 49th year was a year of jubilee where all debts were released, and Jesus talks about being the fulfillment, this year of jubilee for God's people. And entering into Jesus, receiving Jesus like as our Lord, as our King, puts us in a place where we can understand and find rest at a whole nother level. Um, there's this rhythm to life, and if you don't rest, you won't experience life. You'll just go through the motions like a zombie. Real quick, this is an interesting fact to me. Uh, Ed- Edison uh, invented, what did, what did Edison invent? See, it's like we're in school. Light bulb, very good. You get a gold star. He invented the light bulb. Do you know what the average amount of sleep was before Edison invented the light bulb? Take a guess. Average night, close. So John said 12 hours. You probably couldn't hear him, but he said 12 hours. 11 hours was like the average before the light bulb. Post light bulb, it's less than seven. So, I mean, that's a big change from sleeping 11 hours a day to less than seven hours a day. We as humans have created an environment which makes it harder for us to rest. So rest, 
Maybe you need some rest today. Maybe that's the one. Sabbath as rest for you. Second idea, thought, is this, that Sabbath becomes boundary for us. It becomes guardrails for us to, to keep us from entering into dangerous territory. Like when you're driving up the coast of California and all these cliffs that are off to the side, or maybe in Tennessee, all these cliffs that are through the mountains, uh, the Blue Ridge Parkway, you have these guardrails that keep you from getting to a dangerous place. And sometimes you might think to yourself, I don't need any guardrails. Like I'm free. Aren't I free? I can do whatever I want to do. Like, that's what freedom is. And sometimes the truth is guardrails actually create the environment for us to be free. And the guardrails of Sabbath put us in a place, a day set aside, so that we might actually live a free life the other six days of the week. So maybe for you, Sabbath is a boundary. Maybe rest, maybe a boundary. The third thing, uh, Walter Brueggemann wrote a book uh, called Sabbath as Resistance. I like this. The idea that if you're an eight, like an Enneagram eight, and you like causes and you like to fight against certain things, then you like this idea that Sabbath is resistance against the world and the flow of the world, which is all about production and consumption. So it becomes a resistance saying, you know what, I'm going to take a day where I'm going to turn off my phone, I'm going to turn off the TV, like none of that is going to drive me to more, but rather I am just going to sit and enjoy a day of rest set aside for God. I'm going to enjoy a meal with some friends, a huge bonfire, like I'm going to have a bonfire and just keep everything else away. It's resistance to the ways of the world. This whole series has been built on Romans chapter 12. And it's talking about, don't just go with the flow of culture. Like you have to resist it, but rather fix your attention on God and he'll transform you from the inside out. So maybe it's, maybe it's resistance, rest, boundary markers, resistance against the flow of culture. And then the fourth uh, idea, concept, maybe this is it for you, enjoy life. Some of us are running so fast through life and we're working so much that we're missing the enjoyment and the delight that God has for us in the here and now. And a day set aside every week could be the delight that all of us need. Enjoy your life so you don't miss it. Enjoy your life so you don't miss your life. And maybe it's food. Maybe it's being out in creation. Some of us love to be outside and hike and Maybe it's just with people, delighting in God. There are so many different ways to do that. There's a tribe of Christians called Seventh-day Adventists. Have you heard of Seventh-day Adventists? And they are very strict about the Sabbath. Like one day, set aside, I mean, maybe at times they're a little legalistic about it, but the idea is that one day is set aside. And, and they did a study years ago uh, on Seventh-day Adventists. And Seventh-day Adventists take one day a week to set aside, and they found that Seventh-day Adventists live on average 10 years longer than other Christians. Now, that's interesting. And if you take one day a week and you average it like ten, one day a week over the course of someone's life, guess how many years it's close to hitting? 10 years. Like you set aside a day a week and you get that day back on the end. That's a pretty neat idea. Um, 
John Mark Comer, I'm going to encourage you to read John Mark Comer's book, which is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. How many of us need that in our lives? The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. In that book, he says this. He, he and his wife and his whole family worked on this, this Sabbath practice for years, and it took them years. Uh, it's a little discouraging to me because I want it tomorrow, like I want to produce it tomorrow. Do you hear the problem that I just said there? I want to produce Sabbath tomorrow, which you can't. It took them years to get there. And they're finally in a place where they are practicing Sabbath as a family. And here's what he says. I spend a lot of time just sitting by the window. (laughs) Just sitting by the window. Sabbath is like a less stressful Christmas day every week. Now, I was reading that, and I was thinking, there are afternoons, like on Christmas Day, there are afternoons when I just sit there. And I feel like, okay, all the stress of the presents and the opening up and the lunch and all that is kind of done. And I just, then I just sit there. And sometimes I'm really uncomfortable with just sitting there. Like, I'm like, what should I be doing right now? Like, where do I need to, like, and he's saying, no, no, it's like the less stressful version every week of Christmas Day. Like, I just sit by the window. And here's what he says. I feel free. I'm free from the need to do more, to get more, to be more. I'm free from the spirit of restlessness that enslaves our society, and I feel another spirit, the Holy Spirit, and I find that my ordinary life is enough. Doesn't that sound good for your soul, to know that your ordinary life is enough, that you're not just the sum of your production or your consumption, that you are enough? Sabbath is a practice that maybe could move us in that direction. It doesn't need to be a Saturday or a Sunday. It could be any day of the week. Um, Robin and I, uh, like I said, we've been wrestling with trying to figure this Sabbath thing out for a number of years. But one of our practices um, for years, it's it's been a couple months because everything's different right now. But um, on Sunday evenings, after we get out of you know, worship and we have lunch and all that. We go through our routine of what we do on Sundays. Like the beginning of that next day, Monday, which is, is my day off, is supposed to be my day off when I don't work through it. Um, we would begin that evening, we would, uh, in the kitchen together, we would get out a, a cheese board and we'd cut up cheese and put crackers and grapes um, and cherries, if we had cherries, on this cheese board and we would take it to our room with a cup of wine, and we would close the door and lock it so our kids couldn't come in, and we would just sit together, and we'd talk about the day, and we'd talk about our week, and that became the intro into what was supposed to be our Sabbath day. Now, this is the ancient practice. Uh, Those who are um, today still practicing it, the Jews that still practice it, begin it at night. Why do they begin at night? Because when you go to sleep, you have to trust God. You're asleep. It's this intentional begin time that reminds you that God's in charge and you're not. Four books, if Sabbath is something you want to study more about. Here's four books just to to think about uh, and, and to jump into. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. That's what we're going to be doing this week in our reading plan uh, on Version. The Sabbath by Abraham Heschel, who's a Jewish scholar. Sabbath as Resistance by Walter Brueggemann, brilliant scholar in our day. And then Sabbath by Dan Allender. It's just a, 
um, kind of an ancient practice book that gives you some ideas of why and how to do it. And then our weekly reading plan on YouVersion is found here, um, bit.ly slash slow. We're going to slow down and kind of jump into what does it look like to practice Sabbath. So I just want to challenge you in that. And what I think we might find is that God would take the, the little deaths that we experience in life and turn them into gardens. Like new life would spring out of, uh, of what once was just this mundane routine, the next to the next to the next. And we thought the perfect way to end would be to sing this song called Graves Into Gardens. It's been a fun song that we've been learning. Um, you guys want to lead us in this? Yeah, so maybe you sing at home. Maybe you just enjoy the lyrics and uh, think about how you might practice Sabbath. Yeah, so I hope today just leans you into the thought and asks some great questions about, you know, do you trust God? Do you fully trust him? That he's in control? Are you content with what you have or do you want just to consume more and more and more? It's this invitation into Sabbath as, as rest, as boundaries, as resistance, and then as delight, as joy, because there really is nothing better than God. There's nothing better than the life that he has for you and for me and us as a community. So this week, may you stop. May you take moments to stop, even if it's a little bit each and every day, just to stop. And may you delight in God. May you delight in the creation that he has given us. May you delight in the food he has put on the table. May you delight in the people that are all around you. May you stop producing and consuming so that you might delight in him alone. May you experience grace and peace as you pursue Jesus this week. We can't wait to see you again. If we can do anything to serve you, let us know. Email us here at the office. Stop by the coffee shop and say hi. We'd love to see you. Have a great week.